Around 24 hours until the trade deadline, and it's still a little bit quiet on the Bucks front, but we've got plenty of names to discuss as we try and figure out if the Bucks are going to make a big move or a little move. We think they're doing something. Matisse Thibel was mentioned today. You still have the names Fred Van Vliet, OJ, OG Ananobi, Bojan Bogdanovic. The Pistons are a team that the Bucks continue to be linked to. And, of course, Jay Crowder. Plenty to discuss. What do we think the Bucks are going to do? We're going to find out very shortly, but for now at least, we're going to discuss. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN and alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, a man who just stepped up to the plate on the road game with uh, Dave Kane away from the broadcast is Justin Garcia. The Bucks road trip continues, by the way. They will have the Lakers tomorrow, which will be after the deadline. So it's going to be a big day for Locked On Bucks. We may have multiple shows, so make sure you subscribe and turn the notifications on so you'll know when we do drop another show, but we thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen or first watch of every single day. It's been a big week for the channel, particularly on YouTube. Plenty of comments. People are fired up as they always are at this time of the year, Justin. So we're going to get right into it. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Uh, let's start with some of the big names though, Justin, that are at least out there. And I think I have this sense, and I'm not surprised to this point, and look, it would be the holy grail for podcasting if we get a deal come through while we are doing this right now. We are recording. It is around 10 p.m. Central Time, so it's absolutely possible that it could happen. But my sense has been with the Bucks because we have discussed the idea that some of the deals and packages they can put together maybe on paper not the most enticing. They're certainly limited in terms of draft stock that I've felt that if there's a deal going to happen, it's going to be late. It's going to be maybe a few hours before the deadline or right up to the deadline because it feels like these teams will be sitting back and saying, ah, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. And then maybe they'll get to the point where they say, actually, we'll take it. We want to make this deal. What, what's your sense? Are you still as confident as I am that we're going to see something happen with the Bucks? It just feels like there's been too much smoke for nothing to happen. Yeah, I have... Um... I've always kind of felt like they were going to do something, and I know it's it's kind of in John Horst's history. And oh, that's right. Um, yeah, like everybody points that out, but I, I do think at some point that kind of wears off. But it, it's it has been kind of a staple of John Horst to do something at the deadline or close to it. And I think fortuitous for the Bucks is that it's mostly been second round picks that John Horst has gotten it done with, and that's basically what you're going to have to work with. I have. Um, for the most part maintained, I think it's going to be a minor move, a slight move that they make. Um, But you just get this weird feeling with the closer we get to the deadline and the more you start to hear some stuff of, I don't know, the Bucks are being linked to these types of names. And you, you start to think, well, how could that realistically happen in terms of the salaries that they would need? And 
that would seem to trigger something larger. So the more stuff like that that you hear, I'm not ruling out a larger move. I still think they're going to do something and it's going to be a relatively small scale move. I mean, I would, he brought a big impact, but when I say small scale, I would, PJ Tucker was a small scale move in terms of the money and everything that you gave up to hmm. get for him. And that's, it wasn't a hole. It wasn't a trade hole. Right. Yeah. Right. And and that's what I mean. I mean, it's, it's not to say you're not going to bring in somebody that's good or impactful, but what you're giving up, I think it's going to be smaller scale. That's what I would lean towards. All right, well, that's not where we're going to start this podcast, though. We're, we're going right to the top. So let's just say that the Bucks do go all in, and I've been fascinated by this possibility because I think it tells you something about where the Bucks think they are. And if you are like me and you're watching this show and you think the Bucks can win the title this year, I kind of think they can win the title as is. But let's just say that they're like, we really want to add a guy that we think can help this team. The Toronto Raptors are a fascinating watch. And they've been quiet to this point in time. And there's really two guys, two of the main guys. Gary Trent Jr., we'll leave him to the side, but I think there's a fascination with Gary Trent as well. But let's just go to two, I would say, relatively big names. I mean, one's an all-star. Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi. I keep on calling him OJ Ananobi because I love OJ Mayo, and I'm just reminiscing about the days of old Uncle Juice on the Bucks. But let's start. So Fred Van Vliet, his deal right now, 21.2 mil this year. He's got a player option for next year. So the 21.2 is complicating because you would have to add on, on top of a Grayson Allen, maybe it's a Joe Ingles, maybe it's a Bobby Portis. And I know that's that's blasphemous to say, but that's just the reality of the fact. By the way, Joe Ingles listed as out for tomorrow against the Lakers. Cue the conspiracy theories there. But that's the deal for Fred Van Vliet, for OG Ananobi. A little more attractive on the contract side of things. 17.3 this year. Next year, under contract at 18.6, and then you've got a player option. So a little bit more security, very different type of players. Let's just say, and and we know that on top of whatever salary you're going to have to get to, these are guys that you're probably going to have to add the 2029 first and probably Marjan Bochamp. I think that's a safe assumption to make. So if I'm asking you right now that the Bucs can get a deal done for Ananobi or Van Vliet, who do you prefer? Um. So I have very, very strong uh, memories still of Fred Van Vliet <laughs> yeah, in the Eastern no Conference shit. Finals. And look, we saw it again uh, recently here that it seems like every time he plays the Bucks, no matter how poorly he's shooting the ball, he starts to hit shots. Um, I would still go with OG Ananobi is who interests me more just because of what he brings defensively. And you think about, the lineups that you could throw out there on the defensive end where you're playing with Giannis at the five and OG Ananobi next to him and, you know, Drew Holiday, that, that that's that's a defensive wrecking crew that you have out there. Um, I will add, though, I mean, this that's a tough one because Fred Van Vliet would seem to solve a lot of your offensive woes, especially in the half court. OG Ananobi would just seem to fit this team perfectly. I will just say uh, I'm an OG Ananobi fan, but I think it, it's gotten way too far with, mm. you know, the last, what, month of the season. If you hadn't paid attention to basketball until this year, you would think OG Ananobi is like a 10-time All-Star with the way that he's been talked about by everyone for the last couple of weeks. And that's why I think it's fascinating. And that's why I think for the Bucs, a deal 
And I could be contradicted if a deal comes through right now, but that's why I think if there's a deal, it's going to be late again for that reason. Because as you pointed to, you read some of the rumors, you read some of the reports, and they're saying it's going to be three first-round picks to get OG and Anobi. And part of that, I think, is the deals we've seen across the league where teams are giving up this king's ransom of draft picks. But additionally, yeah, this is typically the way it works. There is inflated value at the start. Naturally, the Raptors are going to try and get the best deal they can and rip off whoever they can. And then ultimately, it tends to come back. So, I, yeah, I don't know who I would prefer. I think you're right in terms of, and this comes back to a question that I'm going to ask you in just a minute that I asked Frank. If you were looking at this team, would you say that you are looking towards a more offensive player than a defensive player? And that is the question you're asking here because Van Vliet, in terms of ball handling, guard play, also shooting, would be someone that you'd be like, okay, if that's your sixth man, Maybe he starts. Maybe he starts next to Drew. But there's different combinations you could have, and you would be feeling pretty excited about the options you would have with him in the lineup. And Ananobi would be a guy that you'd add to that closing lineup, the small ball stuff, and you're just like, holy crap, this is switchable. You can do so many things on the defensive end. So I want to... So we'll see. And let us know what you think in the YouTube comments. If that was a straight-up choice that you had, Van Vliet or Ananobi, who would you prefer for this particular Bucks team? And keeping in mind that this would complicate things probably moving forward in terms of extensions for other guys and, and those types of things. Like we know the Bucks are going to be in a tough spot in the off season. Well, uh, the, let's just say hypothetically, you bring in Fred Van Vliet. Uh, you mentioned his contract. You're, you're doing that to re-sign him. You're not just renting him. And I mean, that's a pretty big financial commitment. I mean, you could do it. <laughs> In in terms of what you're locking up, because I know, look, you got to send out the same amount of money, but you're signing them to an extension and you're a team that's going to be facing the repeater penalty and you're going to be in the tax from here on out, it looks like, for the next three to four years. So you're taking on an awful lot financially if you do that move or a move like that. All right, I got that offense-defense question for you coming up. And I need to ask you about Matisse Thibel. He was a guy that was mentioned in a report uh, this morning, I believe it was uh, Hoops Hyper had a report uh, via a reporter there. So Matisse Thibel from the Philadelphia 76ers, I think that would fit the small scale uh, trade that we were talking about a little bit earlier. But I'll ask you about Thibel after we talk about our new sponsor of the podcast, been with us for a few weeks now, and we're very excited about it. And that is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Who's going to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, Justin? Uh, let me let me scroll through here. Who do, you, who do you like? For individual players? That's right. Oh, boy. Now you're, you're forcing me to... To scramble the name <laughs> an individual player that's playing in that super, I'll go. See, with I'm Travis glad he didn't Kelsey. ask me. But who? Yeah. who? I'll say Travis who Kelsey, the favorite minus one twenty. You're yeah. hunting the favorites, Justin. You like it, hey, but that could be good value. And hey, you think that it's going to happen? So Travis Kelsey, obviously the favorite there. Uh, but you can find everything you need on the Super Bowl at FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL.
So Matisse Thibault was an interesting name that come up and it's probably not going to surprise anyone that Matisse Thibault gets spoken more about in Australia than he probably does in the US. I get asked about him all the time when I do different radio things and, and shows and stuff like that. He's been basically pushed out of the rotation this year. And I think we understand why. The Philadelphia 76 has brought in, obviously, PJ Tucker, who is a bit more versatile defensively. De'Anthony Melton has played a big role for that team. So Thibault's minutes have almost evaporated when this team has been healthy. Nothing about the stats are impressing you too much from this season. But this comes back to the question I asked. Frank, are you looking... And again, let's say this isn't a home run trade. Let's say this is one of those minor moves. Are you looking for someone that you think can bring scoring punch or are you looking for someone that you can bring defensive punch? Because Thibault, no doubt, is a guy that you can put on a Tatum, you can put on a, an elite offensive wing slash guard, and he's just, he, he, is, he is an elite defender. He was a guy that really did nothing offensively last year but was uh, has been a two-time all-defensive player. I mean, he is a lockdown defender. He is uh, defensively what you hope eventually Marjan Bochamp can get to. Like he, that's what you envisioned. And, and Tybal can take on some guys bigger as well than we've seen Marjan yeah. be able to do. Only so six five, but he still he, he defends Durant. Oh no, I'm not saying he can. He, he, you think he's going to beat him? But those are the matchups right. he can take. Yeah, but you, yeah, you can throw him out there. Um, so the the interesting part, and I guess I know I mentioned. Fred Van Vliet for that name specifically would kind of cure some of your ails in the half court offensively. I mean, as good as the Bucks have been offensively of late, and I think they're they're in the top ten in offensive rating since Chris Middleton returned. They're still twenty third for the season as a whole. That it's it's still a ways to go to get this even to be a league average offense. Um, but the issue is when you look for the offense, right. And, uh, and the same is going to apply to Matisse Thibault on the other end too, is you still need somebody that can hold up defensively. And you think about how few one-way players we see in the league anymore, that you can't be targeted on defense mm-hmm. and, and you can't be uh, a guy that doesn't score that. That's what, that's what Matisse is running into right now. So um, those types of moves, I guess, it all kind of ties back together to what is the rest of the Eastern conference doing that? That's what makes it even more interesting for the bucks, because I'm with you where I think the roster as constructed now, if they can stay healthy, they're good enough to win a title. But if the Celtics do something, if the Sixers have a big move in them, if the Cavaliers do something to at least, if not even move past the bucks or the Sixers or move up to that level, to get just behind them where all of a sudden it becomes, hey, it's even more important to finish first in the Eastern Conference because if not, here's your roadmap that you're going to have to go through three of these teams. Uh, that's where it really complicates it. And, well, can you really stand pat? And a move like Matisse Tybel, for example, is you do that and that's all you do. I'm fine with doing that to give you some more wing defenders if there's nothing else major that's done out there. But if there's a big move, I don't know. That's where it starts to get really interesting of if, if this is all you do, it, it doesn't help you offensively. And, you know, ultimately half court offense is going to determine a lot for the bucks in the postseason. their defense. We expect to be very good. If they're healthy, we saw that last year. Um, 
But again, like we saw last year, it may not be good enough if your half court offense isn't good enough. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is this is why this might be some sort of I mean, there is a possibility because Stiebel's not playing for the Sixers. I think there would have to be some hesitation for the Sixers to trade him to the Bucks well, if they think they're going to well, play the, each other. Yeah, and especially like, of the, well, what if this guy figures it out with that team and develops there and then we got to go against him potentially in the playoffs. And, and by yeah, the way, the, I saw him in the game earlier tonight where I thought, oh, Matisse Stiebel's playing again? And it was just like nine or ten minutes. Yeah, last second little showcase. But yeah, yeah. like that's that's the interesting thing. And I put on Twitter, I asked, uh, listeners or you know followers if they wanted to have any thoughts and MEB at 6th and Juno said you're going to play 7 or 8 guys in game 6 or 7 of the playoff series we know that that's proven do the Bucks have 7 or 8 guys who could play in any potential playoff series I think they can mix and match their way but I'm not convinced I think they're one short uh, so and, and that's the thing and that's why like a guy like Grayson Allen like yes he's been playing starter level minutes I think he can help you win a series is he a guy that plays in every series? Maybe not. But as we've pointed out multiple times, neither was Bobby Portis. The, the thing with Thibel, which would be a very, very peripheral move, like the salary is so small, he's only a first, still in his rookie contract, that maybe it's Wara, I don't know, and, and a couple of seconds or something like that. Like, who knows? It wouldn't be, it would be an inconsequential trade package, I would feel, to get a guy like uh, Thibel. So, and you say, okay, well, the offense is the problem. Sure, but P.J. Tucker was a zero on offense as well, but they were elite defensively. So, again, I think this is not a move that anyone would sit back and say, geez, I I am so excited about picking up this guy. I don't think anyone's going to sit back and be absolutely over the moon about Crowder, but both guys, you know, that there would be a a level of confidence defensively. The question would be, what do they do on the offensive end? Crowder at least shoots the three. That's why maybe he's the preferred guy. But that's why also the value is more, and you're going to have to give more to get him. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing, too, where it's, I mean, all these moves at, at this point, it's not like there's one move like, oh, this is going to save you money, but it's going to cost you money because yeah. um, you mentioned he's on his rookie deal. He's a restricted free agent in the summer, and it complicates things when you get into things like the cap hold and the number that that is at and what you anticipate the 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 contract would be for, uh, for Tybal to bring him back for a couple of more years. So either way, you're looking at just tacking on to that luxury tax bill. And it's, it's not Bucks fans concern, nor should it be. But I, I think that's where you're going to run into potential trepidation of, well, if this is just a move, that's a, a, a so-so move. That's not going to help us put it over the top. And, and we got to shell out how much uh, I think we're good. So the Pistons continue to be a team that's, the Bucks are linked to. So I want to ask you about the Pistons and whether it's Bogdanovich or Alec Burks in just a second, because I think this is uh, obviously one of the teams that the Bucks have been uh, watching for a little bit. So we saw, and I think it was reported on the Pistons broadcast. I And someone tweeted me about it. I didn't see it. You filled me in. I think James Edwards was uh, the reporter from The Athletic that mentioned the Bucks are still a team to watch. Again, on this tweet, uh, Strategist asked me, which piston do you think the broadcast implied the Bucks were talking to? Uh, Jair A. Alexander, I don't think the Packer, asked Burks or Bogdanovich. So Bogdanovich, again, falls into the package. The salary's up high. You've got to do some stuff. Alec Burks around the $10 million mark. But this is fascinating because as much as the Bucks have been linked with Crowder, loosely... You know, is there interest in the Raptors guys? But the Pistons have always been there as well. So it does feel like the Bucks have a few different 
irons in the fire. Yeah, and I think the the one thing that would give me a little bit of hesitation with Alec Burks this year is he's been pretty consistent for what the last three or so years that he's he's kind of started to find what his role is. And, and you think about uh, where he was. The Bucks were linked to him when he came out of the draft in what ten years ago, twenty eleven or something like that. Um, and you think about the role that he had initially in his career as he was going to be a lead ball a guy that was going to be one of your big scorers. And it just never came to fruition. And it took him a little bit of time to find himself as a guard off the bench that can come in and do some things. And he's been consistent the last few years, but this year it's, it's not the outlier per se anymore. The numbers were very outlier earlier in the year, but it's still above career norms. And that's the thing that would, give me a little bit of hesitation of he's standing out more than ever this year, but the numbers aren't his career numbers. Not to say that it's way far past. That was the case earlier, uh, but it's still a career year. And, and those are always interesting. Now it's, it's not, uh, I believe it's not a contract year. It's not for, or it is a contract year for Alec Burks. Um, and, and that's what makes it even more of the, I don't know about that. When when you're having a career year and you're going to be a free agent, how much can we actually trust this? Um, and for the money, it would be, you know, very similar to the um, to the Jay Crowder rumored moves that are out there. If that's the package, I suppose I would be fine with a flyer on uh, on Alec Burks for that. But that to me also. It it just doesn't feel like it. All right, now the Bucks are are fully loaded type of move. I mean, he's got more size than Grayson Allen, but there's a lot of comparables between what the two have done offensively throughout their career. Yeah, Bogdanovich is the big swing that you'll be really excited about at the time, and then you just worry about the other stuff towards the back end of the season. Uh, I also put the question on YouTube uh, to our viewers and listeners. So Nick C. Uh, is very interested in the Middleton, Middleton contract stuff and Lopez contract stuff. We will absolutely get to that, uh, but I don't think that that might be a conversation that is more relevant after you know anything happens tomorrow. So we'll push that one to the side just for a little bit there. Stu asked about Patty Mills to the Bucks. Uh, what I will say is that the Nets are going to be a fascinating team to watch here over the next 24 hours as well. So we'll see what they have to say. We had a question about the Knicks and quickly is another player that's been mentioned. So we don't want this podcast to don't go too long because there is a, a lifespan of this pod. Let's be real. But the Knicks are fascinating because one deal we have seen, and that's this is when the dominoes start to fall. Josh Hart, who was a guy I was interested in, potentially gettable by Portland. He's going to the New York Knicks. Cam Reddish, another guy that the Bucks had been linked to, goes to Portland with a first-round pick that is lottery protected there. So on the surface, it feels like a pretty good deal for the Knicks, to be perfectly honest. But both Josh Hart and Reddish, guys that uh, the Bucks had, you know, well, we'd certainly discussed those guys the Bucks might be interested in. Were you surprised by the price, though? Because these are the deals that start to set the market for what it could look like for the next 24 hours. Um, overall, yes. What we've, what we've started to see trickle out and... and um... The biggest one, not to jump ahead too much, but the one that surprised me the most was the three-team trade and what the Jazz got back because, you know, we've, we've said, and you said this at the top too, but we've said for a while, 
the Bucks are if they do so something. So just quickly, so so just quickly, so Westbrook to Utah, D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers, Conley to Minnesota. That's that's the main pieces. Vanderbilt's in there as well. Where did he go? He went to Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt and Beasley both went to the Lakers too. So the Lakers get back yeah. at home. Good deal for the Lakers. And, and, just and in case anyone missed that one. Westbrook happy in Salt Lakers. Lake City, you think, or what? Yeah, I'm sure he'll stay there. Uh, a great deal for the Lakers because they give up Westbrook's contract and uh, they give up the 2027 first rounder. But as Zach Lowe reported a little bit after the trade, it's one through four protected. And then after that, it conveys us a second round pick. So there's a pretty good chance Lakers don't even give up one of those two first rounders that they were kind of dangling. So it's a really good move for the Lakers, and it makes it even more interesting for a team like the Bucks. when we said, well, I don't think they have enough in terms of the draft capital. You get your 2029 first that you can trade. And then you see a move like that go down where Lakers didn't have to give up one of those two picks. And you wonder, well, between that, between the uh, Josh Hart deal, what is the asking price on some of these? And, and maybe the Bucks actually do have the capital. It's going to be interesting, and uh, the NBA trade deadline is going to be fascinating. And Locked On has you covered Thursday, February 9. Tune into Locked On NBA on YouTube at 2 Eastern to hear reaction from the trades that will change the rest of the NBA season. Who becomes contenders and who is tanking for a better future? Subscribe to Locked On NBA on YouTube and don't miss a deal. So, Justin, keep your phone on because I know I'm going to text you at some point and say, hey, is there any chance you're free? Any chance you want to jump on the pod here quickly and talk about what the Bucks did or didn't do at the deadline? Uh, like we said, uh, what is the deadline? It's 2 p.m. Central time, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, 2 o'clock in Milwaukee. 7 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, but uh, don't you worry about that. I'll be awake on a Friday morning to see what happens there. So make sure you do subscribe to that Locked On NBA channel there and make sure you subscribe to Locked On Bucks. The plan, the loose plan right now, and it could change if there is some major, major chaos, but the loose plan at the moment is to do a podcast right after the deadline and then we have Bucks Lakers later on that night and we'll do a post-game pod as well. So it's going to be a big day for the podcast that Lakers game is going to be interesting because the record's gone. LeBron is questionable, I believe, with an yeah. ankle sprain. Joe Ingles yeah. out. As we said, Giannis is probable. Back-to-back for the Bucs. they got the Clippers the day after. So we don't actually know who plays. And to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if LeBron didn't play now that he's broken the record. So who's going to even be with the Bucs? It's a big question. I kind of assumed once he got the record that LeBron would not play, that it was just kind of, it's done. I'm taking PTO here. I'm taking the day off. The Joe Ingles one did surprise me because um, it is it is listed as his load management, and we knew he wasn't going to play in, in both back-to-backs, but it surprised me that you would get it out of the way in the first game and that Joe Ingles is the only one listed there. I know Brooke Lopez is probable, um, but it, it would be kind of strange if, like, all right, everybody else gets the day off against the Clippers and go get them, Joe. So I joked about the conspiracy theory with the trade stuff. But look, people are always going to ask that question. But you're right. He's not going to play the back-to-back. I would actually suspect that Chris Milton's not going to play the back-to-back. So maybe switching those two uh, makes some yeah. sense there. And by the way, Brooke Lopez also noted with uh, probable with this non-COVID illness. Jeez, we just thought that we got over the illness stuff that seemed to just follow this Bucks team around for months. And it seems like Brooke Lopez may be a bit ill there. So the game comes after the deadline, though. The deadline is the main event tomorrow. Then we'll get to the game. The Bucks looking to win their ninth straight. So it's going to be a massive day on this podcast feed tomorrow. Like I said, subscribe, turn notifications on, follow everything that we're doing here. We appreciate the support.
You look like you're about to say something. Sorry, no, I was, I, I was clearing I, yeah. some space. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I can attest, as you can probably gather a little bit from my voice, that the non-COVID illness is still very much following the team. And uh, even the COVID illnesses, that's why we've been down a radio play-by-play guy for at least one game now. Uh, the plan is you will call the game tomorrow. Are we allowed to, <laughs> are we allowed to talk about that if we're not? Well, we'll... the plan is, so um, I think I can talk about it. I know Dave put it on Twitter too. He is hoping to clear COVID protocols for the game against the Lakers. He is expecting to call the game against the Clippers, but uh, if he does not clear, uh, it's going to be the same as we had for the Blazers game with Gabe Neitzel calling the game and me with Gabe. And Gabe, just a, an all-around great bloke as well. So we're happy for him to get a chance here. And you know what, uh, Dave, maybe Dave, put the feet up, man. Look, you do, it's not a record-breaking game anymore. You don't need to stress about missing the record, which would have been devastating. Uh, no doubt about that. So hopefully he's feeling okay. All right. We'll be back after the deadline. Hopefully this was a nice little primer. We're excited. It's a big 24 hours in the NBA. We'll be back after the deadline or after the Bucks make a move. We'll see what happens.